Blog Talk Radio. This is BD. Welcome to Isles Beat Podcast as we uh, start the new year. Um, It's just me tonight. Uh, John Jordan is uh, indisposed this evening with work, so it's just uh, me. But I figured we need to touch base and really go over the 40-game mark. And there's some things going on um, with injuries and call-ups and uh, worth talking about. So I figured, you know... What the hell? Let's do uh let's let do a little bit of a show and see how far we can go with it. And uh, there's certainly uh, a bunch to talk about and um you know, uh the Islanders sit in second place in the Metropolitan, they're three points ahead of the New York Rangers, they're seventh overall in the NHL. So there's uh, some consistency, actually, uh, in where they are. Uh, last time we checked in, I believe they were sixth overall. Um, still in the same zone. Um, yes, we, we as uh, anybody who's followed along on Twitter, and uh, if we've co- conversed or uh, touched base on Facebook, there are some um, issues with the team. Things are not quite working uh, 100%. There's a little bit of a dip in some of the things that we've saw, seen from last year to this year, and we'll go into some of that. I've done a little uh, done a little homework today and uh, gone a little bit deeper into it and trying to get a sense of um, a, a better sense of what the differences are. Um, you know, this is not the same team that was uh, uh, very strong in the possession game last year, and uh, you know. It's, and um, it, it seems to uh, frustrate a lot of fans, even though they're still able to uh, pull out some games. Uh, they've been getting better goaltending. It uh, cannot be understated that the the, the addition of uh, Thomas Grice has been a wonder. He's really played well. Um, some some of his attributes, as I looked it up today, are actually a little bit better than Halak. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to stay the same. Um, you got to remember with Grice, he's never played this much, and uh, this is going to be a new area for him. But what's more important is he's getting all these starts that keep, and, and as we've seen with Halak getting uh, hurt, whatever mystery injury and ailment that goes on, um, it, it's certainly a big deal that we have that type of backup. And uh, and giving those players a rest. If Halak goes down, we know that Grice can can carry the load for a bit. 
Um, it, and when both are healthy, it seems to be uh, the Islanders have a, uh, a pattern of uh, starts that really works well for both of them. You know, that's something that uh, doesn't get really uh, cited, but um, the, the Islanders really seem to have a good grip of when to start their goaltenders and how to get per- good performances. You know, yes, our, you know, uh, these goaltenders do have a stinker once in a while, but overall it's been pretty good. So, um, you know, and that and that comes from the Islanders coaching staff and their uh, brain trust in how to play these players. And uh, right now with the goaltending, they're getting what they want. And uh, there's some really good things going on. And there's some lack of thereof. And we'll uh, talk about that in a moment. Let me see what I got here in my notes. We're going to do this down and dirty. It's not going to be... Uh, you know, this might be a podcast, but uh, I do have some notes here, so I want to go into um, some stuff. And let, let's take a look. Look, we're um, we've done four uh, checkpoints. This will be this will be the fourth because we're at the forty game mark. I've said at the beginning of the season, and I've said it last year too. You should really look at the season in ten game increments. This avoids the roller coaster of up and down and up and down. You know, the Islander did, did have a couple stinkers in December, by the way, um, and uh, some, uh, you know, lackluster games, and then they put it together towards the end. Um, and then we're seeing some wins again. Um, you know, are they playing fantastically? No, but uh, still being able to pull out a, a win versus Dallas, who is one of the best teams in the NHL, it's not a bad thing. So, you know, there's still a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde there, but they're still overall a uh, powerful team, and they're uh, right behind the Capitals, and they're ahead of the Rangers. Isn't that where you really want them? So so right now, uh, the power play, not working. Um, it's actually dipped down from 15th, which is middle of the road, down to 18th. So right now, the penal, uh, the power play is not working. And uh, this is something that's been ongoing. We have seen uh, maybe in the first 10 games, we saw maybe a top four power play, but it is uh, simply middle of the road at best for the rest of the season. And now it's dipping down. And that is something that, uh, you know, I've cited about 10 games ago. And here we are again uh, at 18th, and it's not looking good. Uh, Conversely, the the penalty kill was number one for a bit. And now it's number two. So um, not the same number two that the power play is, but you get my drift. You know, uh, the, the penalty kill is working. It's something that uh, that has been consistent this season, uh, thankfully. And, um, you know, I have some thoughts on why the power play isn't working, but uh, the, the penalty kill is something that it actually is. Um, their face-off wins is about 15th overall. I think last time we checked in at 30, it was at the same point. It's not looking particularly good. It's not particularly bad. It's middle of the road. You, you obviously you want to be winning your face-off so you can control the uh, control the play. Um, in shots, they're uh, 14th overall, so they're middle of the road once again. In shots against, they're actually 11th overall, so that actually is a good. So they have the um, they're able to um, stifle a little bit of the shots against. They tend to get more shots than shots against. Um, their goals for is ninth overall, not bad. 
Um, the goals against their ninth overall in the, the least amount of goals against, um, and their ninth overall in their goals for and goals against ratio. So those are okay. Um, their possession is still below average. Um, it is something that uh, Myrtle over from uh, Toronto Globe has just cited as a drop-off for the last season uh, for the Isles. I mean, he was naming a couple other teams that have um, – dropped in their possession game, and that is a big difference between the Islanders this year and last year. And uh, it's, and his 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 take is accurate. Um, but there's, um, there's a little bit more to that. Um, one of the things we want to see is if it's, you know, um, you know, I was trying to let, take a look at that, um, you know, that lower numbers, because I was wondering if, because Vishnowski was gone, you know, is that, you know, why it's dipped a bit. And uh, upon further review, even though Vish uh, helped in the possession play, his minutes really weren't high enough to to explain the uh, drop. After all, he's a third-pair defenseman playing third-pair minutes. You don't the third pair, despite all the fans that uh, freak out when Straight plays third pair with, uh, you know, when he's when he is playing the third pair. Um, we'll talk about second pair another time. Um, they don't get as many minutes, and uh, the Vish, despite a better possession uh, defenseman last year, and obviously is no longer playing, that it doesn't explain the dip in the possession play. So, um, you know, one of the things that I cited, I think, in the last uh, podcast is uh, uh, the Islanders really have a poor possession numbers. Um, and one of the things that I point to uh, last time and um, – and uh, we'll bring up again because it hasn't quite changed. Is Nick Letty and Bo- Johnny Boychuk are not nowhere near the play they had of last season. You know the the thing about the Islanders' possession game is their puck moving uh, defensemen are key to the Isles' possession game. And if you notice, when Letty has played well, the team has done well. That's not coincidence. That is how key it is. And, um, you know, if we've seen, you know, you know, brings us to Johnny Boychuk, who is a solid defenseman. Let's not, you know, let's not discount him, but he hasn't been the all-star puck mover that he was last year. And, uh, you know, as I cited a few times now on Twitter, there's no coincidence that he's now playing the second pair. You know, they broke up. Letty and Boychuk because they're not playing the same level and they've, um, you know, and his, uh, his play is not quite uh, there. He's been playing more like a number three defenseman this year, which is still good and solid and needed, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's not the same. The, the real key to last season was that Letty and Boychuk played all-star level uh, puck moving defenseman, uh, defensive hockey, and really uh, put together the Isles' uh, strength in the possession game. And when they don't play that level, it's that's what has really been what I've seen as a drop off in the possession game right now. Um, obviously, with with Boychuk out four to six weeks, um, it's certainly not a good thing. Um, Boychuk playing even less than last year the level is solid and he's a stout uh, and needed defenseman um, 
However, this will give Pellick some time to get a little bit more shot to play than his back-to-back uh, opportunities. Both both games Pellick has played has been back-to-back uh, opportunities, um, and I think we'll, we'll see more of him. He's played actually very well, and in the um, in the second pair when he was used. And I'm hoping that uh, you know that we'll see a little bit more out of him. Um, obviously, Pellick's stats and these opportunities have been superior to uh, Brian Strait. Um, however, I've noticed that the since the coaching staff seem to look to vets with experience as their uh, as their go-to, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see if Pellick can supplant um, you know the seventh defenseman plug-in who uh, drive, drives the Isles fans crazy. You know, Strait is a depth guy. He's on contract for this year. He can't just disappear. His contract hits the Islanders' budget. Um, you know, that's why he sits. And then when, you know, somebody goes down, he gets plugged in. He's plugged in because he's a vet with experience. Um, I'll go into some of those experiential items of why the coaches go to him over uh, the kids while the kids kind of get a little peek here and there right now with Pellick, obviously. And we'll go into why we're seeing Pellick over Pollock in a moment. So let's 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 go into that a little bit. Look, why aren't we seeing Pollock or Mayfield? Well, it's a good question that the fans ask. And unfortunately, when I see it come from bloggers and writers, then I think it gets a little embarrassing. Um, and there's a big reason why. Look, Mayfield is a left-handed shot and a defensive defenseman. If you look, Boychuk is a puck mover and a right-handed shot. That should be fucking obvious. And the fact is that this comes up from time and time again. You gotta look at what the players bring to the table. When the player goes down like Boychuk, you want to grab his attributes and a kid that can that you feel is ready or do the best you can. And that's why you see Pellick and not Mayfield. It's a different type of uh, defenseman. Well, Pollock. Why don't we, why haven't we seen Pollock? And then I keep on hearing that our power play needs Pollock. And as Bridgeport writer uh, Michael Fernabio wrote, Pollock is just learning now how to play on the off position. In other words, he's still developing and learning the NHL defensive game. He's only played one game in the AHL in the off position. So what does that tell you? Especially if you're reading up on the player's development. He's not ready. He's not ready. And the fact that writers are the ones complaining and not looking at this information is making them look very silly. you got to look. That's the reason. Everybody wants Pollock's booming shot. You know, obviously, that, that, that shot is going to be fantastic in the NHL. But per the Islanders, and here's the big reality check, his defense is considered more important. And the fact is, he isn't ready. Perhaps this would be different if Nick Letty was to be injured, because when the Islanders need Letty's attributes, then Pollock is the guy that will come up, because he will be more to the the position and use in, in Letty being down than when Boychuk is down. So there are some, some real reasons to why these players and why you're seeing Pollock um, called up. And the fact is that Pellick has played well in both opportunities should tell you very clearly they have it right. 
So let's let's go into that. You know, look, Pelic was brought up because his game and skill sets are best offset the loss of the attributes of Boychuk. That is uh, some penalty kill work, some power play, the puck movement, a right hand shot. And he's, you know, obviously he's seen him. Uh, we've seen that he's a capable defenseman so far, uh, which is why I like to see him fill the role, um, you know, and see a much more far limited time and straight. Um, you know, and it, it's it's because of that, you know, you let the process continue. The Islanders called that Pelic is the guy. We've seen in two games now, Pelic is the guy. So, um, and to, to tell you the truth, even though the Islanders took a loss when straight was up, and straight wasn't the problem in that game. So, you know, hopefully Pelic starts to really unseat the vet. Look, straight will not be here next year. I can guarantee you this. He will not be re-signed. He is ending out his contract as a defensive plug-in. And if you look at seventh defensemen in this league, they're not very good. They're guys that, that have some experience, understand the system, understand what they're looking for, and do it. Do they do it well? No. Because when what you'll see in any seventh defenseman that's being used in this league, whether it's Montreal, whether it's L.A., or the Islanders, or New Jersey, or anywhere else, the more they play, the more they get exposed. So you want your guy to kind of sub in for a little bit, but the four to six weeks is where it becomes trouble. And this is the opportunity that Pellock has, because if he can play the same level that he showed the other night, then we will see straight sitting again. And that, that is fantastic. That's what you want to see. You want to see, like a couple years ago when uh, Calvin DeHaan came up, and there wasn't a question that he was staying up. And you want to see that from the, the next defenseman that they deem is ready. So here, here is an opportunity. A player is hurt four to six weeks. You know, hopefully it's not the Brian Strait show because the Brian Strait show won't be very pretty. It might be okay for a game or two, but after a couple games, that's when he starts to get exposed. So we'll see how that goes. I, I feel the pain um, from the fan point of view. I'm telling you what it, some of the issues are. We'll see how that happens and what and what well the proof is in the pudding so we'll hopefully uh see pellock plugged in there and uh, take advantage of this opportunity or you're going to see more brian Strait. what can i tell you um let's talk a little bit more going through the notes bear with me uh let me see here uh there we go. So, okay. So that brings us back to the possession drop-off. Look, this is where we started, and here is where we close it out. Will it continue? Well, no. What is not mentioned by in the sighting of the possession drop-off is the tracking of this possession. The tracking of possession is important. You, you need to know how that number changes over the time. What, what's the directory? Is it flat? Is it ne going negative? No. In the Islanders' case, it's trajectoring. It's trajector. I just made a new word. It's trajecting in a positive direction, and hopefully that'll continue. Now, that's a little bit of concern of getting the possession game together with Boychuk out. So it's really key for Pellet to be that guy, because you want the possession game to start to take shape, and with Boychuk 
out now, that really kind of stutters because if you're projecting better and all of a sudden one of your key defensemen to, uh, for puck movement is out, you, you got a big bump in the road even though you're getting a little bit better. So, you know, that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, it's not necessarily a happy tale. I'm a little bit concerned of that possession continuing in a positive direction. So um, we'll see. So, and let's talk about uh, after that. I know it's a little bit sobering, but uh, you know we can only find out next time they play, and hopefully Pellick uh, starts to be the the guy that they think that he is, and continue what he's doing because he played a really good game uh, the other night. All right. Um, the other thing I took a look at is uh, Grice versus Hollock, you know, uh, or Hollock. Uh, we've seen, you know, both of them are playing very well. Uh, Hollock obviously has an ongoing um, injury issue or something that's kind of uh, causing a little bit of problems there. But he seems to be coming back. He's, you know, uh, Christopher Gibson was sent back down and, uh, you know, it uh, and you know Grice uh, hasn't been quite the the goaltender that he was uh, at least the last two games. Uh, you know, so it's a good time. And when Halak has played, he's played well. So you know, let's take a look at what's important for these goaltenders. And uh, we've talked about this before. And um, if you followed along over the summer, it's why I thought that Grice was going to be the guy. Is that Grice has very good uh, what's considered a high danger shot. Hinder danger shots are really important shots. They are key um, goal-scoring opportunities that uh, can mean the difference of a game, usually. Um, they're those, you know, banner saves that, that are really, you know, the, the, look at the difference between, if you want to know what a high danger shot, you'll know that um, two seasons ago, the Islanders couldn't make one. Uh, with Nabokov. That was one of the key issues of, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, Nabokov uh, of not being what he used to be uh, two years back uh, when media, you know, was basically below average goaltending was really uh, the the key to the Islanders season and ended up being, you know, the, the, the theme. Well, um, you know, Hawk makes a pretty good uh, average with high danger shots and so does Grice. And that's really important. In fact, right now, Grice actually has a slightly better average than Halak, though it's actually really close. Halak is 84.53%, and uh, Grice is 84.86%. So the, the, both of them are playing very well. And, um, you know, to see, you know, uh, it's, you know um, the, we can talk about the other attributes like, Low danger shots, medium danger shots, you know, those softies that go in, those are low danger shots, shots that, the you know, the uh, the goaltender should have. Well, you would think your goaltender has a really high average to those. And the fact is, Halak and Grice both do. Halak is actually a little bit better, 97.70, and Grice is 97.31. Both have very good averages there. The mediums, uh, Halak... Uh, is 93.98, and Grice is actually a little bit better at 94.54. So once again, um, Grice is actually better in both medium and high danger shots right now than Halak. Now, how much does Halak's injury weigh into that? 
Uh, fact is, they're very close attributes anyway. It's not like it's over by over Halak by over a point. They're actually very close. It's just a minuscule difference. But Grice is playing very well. But the problem is, as I mentioned before, he's never played as much. So, you know, Halak is still the, the guy, and you know that he can carry the load and do most of the starts. So I don't think there's any sense of a goalie controversy or anything like that. What you want to do is see this all continue. So, and, you know, for Halak to be healthy. So, you know, and, and once again, that pattern is working. And I just want to show you a comparison. You know, everybody's talking about that Chad Johnson and over in Buffalo is having a good season. And he, and he is. Um, Johnson, Chad Johnson over in Buffalo has actually a 98.03 uh, on low danger shots. That's really good. On medium danger shots, he's 94.29, just below Grice. That's really good. But And, and this is really key. And, uh, and um, the high danger shots... Uh, Chad Johnson is only 79.31, which is low. And that's the big drop. And where I can tell, tell you from that is he's not clutch. That high danger shot is getting the clutch save, the big save, the one that matters. And that is, you know, when they talk about another goaltender, just citing an example, you want to see um, mid-80s or somewhere in the 80s. And right now he's below that. So... It's just an example there that I can draw a conclusion from that, that Chad Johnson's not the kind of guy you want in the playoffs. Um, now, um, if you want to see a player who's having a great season, is uh, Newberth uh, over in Philly is having a fantastic season, and his low, his low, medium, and high danger shots are all actually just a little bit better than Grice and Halak, uh, which gives you an idea, especially with Philly <laughs> with some issues. Uh, that he's having one hell of a season. So um, just a couple comparables and something to draw that, you know, uh, what we can surmise from this is the Islanders have a great goalie tandem going on right now. You want to see it continue. Grice is going to keep on getting some starts here and there, and you want both of them healthy. So uh, I think right now the goaltending has been um, a big difference from this year to last year and what's really helping the Islanders. So, so, all right. So I call this chapter, as I made some notes, uh, how are the Islanders really doing? So, um, now, if you ever want to look up stats, um, I suggest War on Ice. I think that if you don't, or if you're writing about this, or, or really want to take a deeper look, you really need to check out that site. It's uh, good analytics. It's a well-done site, and there's really no other reason to check out any other sites right now. Um, I recommend it highly. Um, you know, the, the the you'll look at different things, of course, Fenwick and uh, and different measuring sticks on a team. Um, you know, if you take a look, what I try to do is take a look at. What are the differences between the Islanders this year and last year? And one of the things that I'm seeing is that the Islanders are very flat this year and compared to last year in two key areas besides the possession game, which we already talked about. And they are 
scoring, um, taking advantage of the scoring opportunities and their high danger scoring chances. Both these attributes are down this year. And while possession might weigh into it a little bit, there's other factors here. And what I tried to do is to kind of take a little bit of a deeper look. And what I found, and uh, you know, we'll just talk about this for a bit and a couple other things and we'll end out. So hopefully I'm not boring anybody. But, um, you know, what, what I'm finding is that um, – especially when you have key players. If What I noticed is, especially in the high-danger shots, in um, Boychuk is down uh, minus four from last year in high-danger shots. Lee, minus three. Letty, minus two. Nelson, minus 2.5. Kyle Posa, minus 2.5. JT, minus three. Bailey, minus 3.5. So they're not getting the same kind of uh, good opportunities and creating the right opportunities. There seems to be what I'm drawing from this and kind of talking to a bunch of different people is they are too busy trying to make the perfect pass than trying to get the shots on goal. And that seems to be an ongoing thing this season as a, as a habit. Um, you know, I, I definitely see a, uh, also a lower shooting uh, percentage uh, big time for Letty this year. Um, it, it is substantial. Um, Lee and Strom, also, their shooting percentage is much lower this year. So, um, there, you know, there's, there's too much passing, looking for the pretty play, and not enough um, the uh, shots on goal. So the um you know what they need to do is get more shots in the dirty area and create rebounds. If you you can't get a rebound if you don't make the shot. And the fact is if you're not getting the shots, you're not getting the high danger scoring chances. So it's really about this team needs to shoot more, which is what we have also seen in some of the games. One of the things about last season is that we saw a lot of games when the Islanders were playing their game and going on that on that slew of wins. They were constantly out shooting their opponent. They were controlling the puck, they're controlling the possession game and getting the shots on the goal. And guess what happens when you shoot on goal? Some fucking go in. It's an amazing thing. And what's happening is they're not shooting enough. They're not creating those scoring uh, opportunities. And they're not controlling the possession to get in there to do what they and, – and put that together. And the times that they do go in, it seems to be more fancy passing and footwork and moving around and, get, and not making the shot on goal, not, not creating the traffic, not getting that puck on net so that something good can happen. And that is the key difference between this season and last season, ladies and gentlemen. And that has to change. And that is in a, a critical stage now because we are now in, you know, 40 games in. Um, luckily, um, or, you know, obviously, uh, Boychuk's injury is unlucky. Um, one of those weeks that, you know, hopefully he'll be only gone four weeks, one of those weeks is the All-Star game. There's not a whole lot of games in that beginning part. And, you know, it, it, it's really key for, for Boychuk to get healthy 
Um, hopefully Pellick is um, going to continue or, um, you know, if the coach is going to use straight, then he better play well because they need to get um, more possession, more shots on the goal, and make more things happen. Those things are the deficiencies of this year, between this year and last year. Nothing else. These are the things. There needs to be more shots, more shots on goal, create scoring opportunities, scoring opportunities, create goals. That simple. They're getting some goals, but they are not the same team as last year in this regard. And they're being, in a lot of ways, bailed out by fabulous goaltending. And uh, and, and, and to tell the truth, uh, some better solid uh, defense as as opposed to previous years, too. Let's give credit where credit is due. Um, But the fact is that this is what needs to be done. And that is the key. You know, we're, we're almost, we're almost halfway. And at the 50, you know, there's, there's going to be another critical juncture in this next 10 games of, are they able to stay at the level or if they're going to maintain the level, they're still, you know, despite what is driving us all crazy, they're seventh overall, they're third in the Eastern conference. The talent is there. There are, you know, there are good players there, and some of them are scoring. But if they can get that possession and, and, and shooting together while, um, and especially while, as Boychuk is out, that'll be key because, you know, the two times last year that the Islanders really stuttered was when Boychuk was out and then when Letty was out. Is it a coincidence? Not at all. Just as I talked about earlier, their all-star level play and puck movement last year was key. And when one of them went out, the you know they were just uh, slightly above average, just slightly. You know they might have been an eighth or seventh spot team. It's because of those two players that really put things together, moved that puck, able to possess it and make the plays that made them into a better team. And that's what needs to happen again. Now Boychuk is out. We're going to really see what the Islanders are made of. Um, they need to put that game together. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm a little concerned. And we'll obviously revisit this next week. Uh, when John is back and uh, we have a show going back and forth with the banter, I know that I, I, I always feel that uh, when I'm doing this, that uh, especially solo, that I'm uh, boring everybody that's listening. And I apologize if I am, but uh, just trying to get a couple things out here, and hopefully this is all making a little bit of sense. And um, you know, maybe I'll follow it up with a blog um, to kind of uh, coincide. And uh, we'll revisit it. But uh, right now, the shooting percentages are low. They're not getting enough shots off, and they need to. And by doing more shots, that correlates to high danger uh, opportunities. And those are going to be the key items. The Islanders start winning a bunch of games, whether Boychuk is out or not. Um, that will be key. So it's going to be very interesting in the next, uh, you know, next couple games, and we'll revisit next week. 
And I think I've gone through most of my notes, uh, if you will bear with me a moment. I just want to see if there was anything else I wanted to say. I think um, um, I did want to get into, actually, I do want to get into one other thing. Um, I was asked uh, via email um, to talk about um, what drives a lot of people crazy about the... uh, about the uh, the NHL's injury, injury policy, which is just what you call injury obscurity. And, and the truth is, the reason that we have these obscure injury reports and information in the NHL is because the potential of targeting those those injuries, especially during the playoffs. But if you can't you can't just do it for the playoffs, they do it throughout. They don't want their players, the teams, you know, the GMs get together, and they didn't want their players to be targeted. Somebody has a concussion. They don't want people knowing that so they can throw an elbow. If somebody's got a shoulder problem, you don't want the guy getting bashed in the shoulder. So, but the thing is, if we look at the NFL, they're very specific about injuries. But here's a key difference. The NFL, fantasy football, and the fact, and they will never admit to this, but I will tell you the truth, it also the gambling industry is very big, and they have lobbies, and the fact is they have influence, and it is to their both fantasy football and gambling's best interest to have specific information on a player. Well, guess what? Fantasy hockey and gambling doesn't have that sway in the NHL. So the reason that you see these very specific injury reports in the NFL puts them up for targeting. But they don't care because those industries and the the money that it's a money maker that has influence and and they will the NFL will never admit to that, but it's obvious. And that's and that's really why those other sports are so specific and why we kind of tear out our hair of, you know, upper body injury, lower body injury, that nobody gets a clear view because they don't want other players to have a clear view. And, you know, that's that's the policy. And that's because the, those other industries don't hold any sway in the NHL. So as frustrating it is for fans and, you know, for the writers too, um, it makes sense, especially in the playoffs. You know, years ago, when somebody had, uh, you know, they would try to hide injuries um, when somebody had a chest or a rib issue getting jostled, you know, they get targeted. And the fact is, the NHL is a a tough and uh, physical game. And the fact is, they're going to be targeted. So that's why that injury report is obscure as it is. Um, it's, It's frustrating from a fan point of view, but I do understand the logic of it. So, um, so there's a, there's a give and take there, um, but it has to do with uh, safeguarding the players and their injuries. So, um, thanks for the the question. Uh, I got your email and uh, tried to answer it the best way I could, and I threw that to somebody who works for one of the teams in the NHL, and they agreed uh, with that, with that take. So, um, you know, not just uh, me just spouting bullshit. Uh, I do try to throw it against other people just to make sure that I have the right uh, take on it. So I was uh, appreciative to um, 
uh, friend uh, responding back to me on that. So I tried to also check that. So um just going to see if there's anything else I wanted to talk about. Not really. Um, there's more that we can talk about next week. I think we've pretty much... Uh, we're about 40 minutes in. I think we've done enough without my, uh, my, my, my co-pilot, my, uh, my, my guy, John, um, you know, it's not easy to do the banter back and forth to do a full hour. Uh, so I feel like this is just a one long soliloquy. So hopefully I haven't bored everybody to tears. Um, we will, uh, gather together next week. And uh, I thank you all for for listening last year. It was a, a great run. Um, I will. Oh, I do want to share um, something I did say in the off season as a New Year's um, a New Year's uh, prediction, but uh, and consider it a fearless prediction, which I do make on Twitter, and they tend to come true. Um, expect the Islanders to be very aggressive this trade deadline. Now, does that mean they're going to get what they want? No. Fact is, you know that Garth doesn't get what he wants. They don't do it. They don't do it for just doing its sake. They're, but I expect, and you will see this verified from TSN and Dreger and all the rest of them, I can guarantee you this, that the Islanders will be aggressive to try to do something um, substantial. I don't know if it has to do with Hamannick. I don't know if it has to do with moving uh, Kyle Poso, who's going to be, um, you know, a UFA. Um, you know, I do once again pick up uh, on uh, things that I've talked about before. I do not feel that Kyle Poso will be retained. Um, when I did a list of the top forwards in their position in the NHL, uh, based on a bunch of attributes that were. Uh, to see if they're a substantial player. Uh, Kyle wasn't even on the list of the top 40. Um, I will go into that a little bit more specifically next week, uh, maybe with a blog as well. Um, but I don't think they're, it's the kind of player that they really want to spend as, as good as he is, uh, that kind of money of $7 million plus and uh, for the long term of five to six years. Uh, Franz Nielsen it, uh, might be another case entirely. I tried to check to see if there was anything being worked on. I was given a firm no comment. Uh, then again, we haven't heard what what sometimes we get from agents is, oh, we haven't heard from anybody at all. So that that might be good. It might be bad. I don't know. But uh, I feel that if the Islanders have an opportunity, there's three UFAs. You have Matt Martin, you have Kyle Poso, and you have uh, Franz Nielsen. I think that Franz Nielsen probably is possibly the only one that they would possibly retain or have a shot to retain. It really depends. This is a big payday for Franz, too, who's having a great year. Uh, his shooting percentage, by the way, folks, is up, um, and it shows. And um, fact is, um, you know, but I, I do think uh, uh, as their intent, I think the Islanders would see, love to retain him if they can so we'll we'll see what happens. I don't think that'll happen until the off season, but hey, um you know we'll we'll talk about that and uh like I said, and obviously the trade deadline is down the down the pike, and we'll obviously do a lot there too. I did want to share what that uh you know that that little new year's prediction, and uh we'll talk more um in terms of rumors. I know that everybody's talking about uh Druin over from Tampa. 
um, who will cost a pretty penny. It's not the type of trade that the Islanders would really want to make. Uh, if I was Tampa, I would ask for Barzal on a first-round pick. And I will tell you, I would not even want to give up Barzal. Um, despite, you know, you can talk about Druin being sent back down over in Tampa. The fact is, he's seen the NHL time. He's considered an elite prospect. Uh, it's not like a situation of Nino Niederreiter. The, the Tampa Bay... Um, Lightning don't have to trade him just like Hamannick. You know, just because they made a request doesn't mean it happens. They will see if they're accommodated. And the only way he's going to be traded is if they get what they want. And I believe I have a, 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 uh, I have a wager with somebody on Facebook uh, for a beer where I said that it's going to cost uh, uh, basically an A or B prospect and a, um, and, uh, and a first-round pick. So I think that uh, they didn't agree um, and I can understand their argument, uh, but I think that, uh, and from what I hear, that the teams are going to line up to try to land him because he is a premier prospect. Um, it's just going to be one of those teams that have a higher first-round pick. That means a non-playoff team is more likely to make that kind of deal where they can afford to give a prospect. That's you know what they just got last year or the year before that's uh, not as developed uh, remember, Tampa can't take on a lot of uh, a lot of money. So when you start seeing a lot of Druin, uh, you know you'll you'll see me put down a lot of uh, trade rumors and scenarios. It's because um, um, it's factually inaccurate, just like uh, some other stuff that came out earlier this year. And I'm uh, very happy to slam it down, even when it comes from people in the industry that I know. Um, Fact is, if it, truth is truth. So the uh, fact is, there's reasons that, uh, you know, I think the Islanders will be aggressive, but I don't expect them to be going in the, in that direction. So um, I'd expect them looking to, um, you know, quickly to talk about, because most likely anybody's sitting there like, well, what would they do? Uh, I think they would like, if they can move Hamannick, I think they would like a defenseman that's a little bit more of a puck mover. Hamannick is really good. There's no question of that. But he's more of a defensive guy. Even last year, and the reason he had more scoring is they used him on the power play. But he wasn't that great on the power play. That's not his natural position. And I think that the Islanders would love to take an opportunity if they can grab, and I think we've talked about this before, a Dougie Hamilton from Calgary or maybe a Tyson Barry from um, Colorado. The type of defenseman that's developed a little bit younger, maybe not further along in the defensive game as a Hamannick is, but really, and, and if you look at the possession game of the Islanders and the things that we talked about, you can see them why they would want to go in this direction. They would like a defenseman there that can, you know, uh, create more opportunity and get the puck over to the other forwards and, and create shots on goal. You know, uh, as we talked about, if Pollock's not ready, the fact is you can't just plug them in. You know, we all talk about jigsaw puzzle piece like they're they're ready whenever we want, and that's not true. So I think that uh, if they were to move Hamannick, there has to be a defenseman coming back. If if not in that trade, as a uh, you know a sequential trade that was contingent on it, they would not deal Hamannick without getting a defenseman back. And right now. Uh, and as we had talked about back on Thanksgiving, since Thanksgiving, those talks broke off. 
That price has been set, and he is, and Garsno is not moving off of it. And if you've noticed, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, there has not been one rumor with Hamannick ever since. Not one tale told on TSN radio. Nothing from Dreger and McKenzie. Because fact is, it was accurate. Those talks broke off. Islanders are holding a line. They're saying, we're winning now. I don't have to make any deal. And, you know, Hamannick's on contract. If the opportunity develops, then somebody's got to meet the price. So we'll see if that happens. But since then, it has been very quiet, folks, and for good reason. So we'll see if that starts up coming up the trade deadline. But uh, if not, maybe we see, you know, the kind of situation of, uh, you know, especially if uh, the Islanders can create more shots on goal and get some of those guys like Lee and Strom scoring like they did last year, maybe they can move Kyle Oposo and get even just another UFA uh, to shore up an area that they feel is a major need for the playoffs and uh, for the for the latter part of the season. We'll see. But if, uh, you know, that's some conjecture there, I guess we'll talk down the line of potential players and a little bit more specifics. But I didn't want to just mention it without kind of weighing into it a little bit. And, hey, we're almost 50 minutes into this solo. So, hey, what do you know? So, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you once again for listening to Isles Beat. Um, We'll be back next week with John and I. And until then, I appreciate the listens, and uh, let's go Islanders. And on that note, let me find my closing music, which, of course, I cannot find now and feel like a moron. Oh, man, I need more music. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. See you next week. of faith disturbing.